Greetings, folks, and welcome to Songs of Our Own, a marital tour through the music that shaped us. I'm your co-host, Lee Strickland. And I'm Al Leone. Well, hey, Al. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, of course. I'm happy to be here, Lee. Awesome. So are you ready for our first ever show? I am nervous, but I am here and I am ready. Oh, yeah. You got this. So, Lee, what's our first album? So the first album that we are going to take a look at tonight is, it's The Velvet Underground. Um, It's their third album, which is their self-titled album, The Velvet Underground. Not to be confused with their first album, The Velvet Underground and Nico. Well, clearly, I mean, that one has Nico in it, so it must be different. (laughs) Clearly. So... Some background info on the Velvet Underground. Um, They were formed in 1964 in New York City by singer-songwriter, or singer-songwriter-guitarist Lou Reed, multi-instrumentalist John Cale, guitarist Sterling Morrison, and drummer Angus MacLissy? MacLissy? Sorry, Angus, if you're listening. (laughs) Um, He was later replaced by Mo Tucker in 1965. Uh, The band was active from 1965 to 1973 and was briefly managed by Andy Warhol. Oh, is that why on their one CD it's that like banana painting from Andy Warhol? Yeah, exactly. He did that artwork and I think he even signed the bottom of it, Andy Warhol. Oh, okay. I thought they just really enjoyed Andy Warhol prints. That makes way more sense. Yeah, so he briefly managed them and they were the house band at the factory and Andy Warhol's exploding plastic inevitable events, which took place between 1966 and 1967. Hang on. Can we just like pause from the music thing? This might be a totally different podcast all of a sudden. Andy Warhol's explosive plastics. What? (laughs) Yeah. So it was called uh, Andy Warhol's exploding plastic inevitable. Oh my goodness, Andy Warhol has like a whole side hustle I didn't even know about. I thought he was just like cannibal soups and bananas. <laughs> yeah, he had a lot of uh, a lot of things going on. Well, we will come back to investigating Andy Warhol later, Lee. What else do we need to know about the Velvet Underground? So for this album, it's notable for a number of reasons. Um, this is the first album featuring Doug Yule. Okay. Playing bass and taking lead vocals on the opening track. Okay. Um, the Velvets, one of the founders, John Cale, had been fired right before this album. Question mark? Yeah. Lou Reed, I guess, called Sterling Morrison and Mo Tucker together and said either we fire John Cale or the band breaks up. Oh. And neither one of them wanted to break up the band. They really didn't want to fire John Cale. But Lou Reed felt that John Cale was pulling the band in a much more experimental direction than Lou Reed wanted to go. Gotcha. So this album's notable because it's a kind of very big departure from their first album, The Velvet Underground and Nico, and the follow-up album, White Light, White Heat. Okay, so it's basically like they're an entirely different band. They just didn't want to change their name. Kind of? I mean, they just got rid of John Cale. The other three members are still the same. Huh. I guess I would just wonder, like, if they're changing their sound. Like, is that their identity? Are they no longer who they were? I don't know. That's a big philosophical question for a different day, I guess. I'm actually glad you brought that up. So, White Light, White Heat, the album that preceded this, was it's really loud and kind of... 
like proto punk, proto thrash. It's, you know, lots of fuzz tones on their guitars. The speakers sound kind of blown out, and it's just very like loud and driving. Yeah. And Lou Reed said he wanted to do their third album that we're talking about, The Velvet Underground, as a quieter album so that they didn't get labeled as just like an act that could just do one thing. Mm, Yeah, because you see that even outside of music, people who, like Keanu Reeves, he is always playing Keanu Reeves no matter what movie he's in. So to want to show that you're a more well-rounded artist no matter what your medium is i i get that yeah most definitely so that's kind of the ears we're listening to this album with today is a band in change with one of the founders gone and this new person coming in lou reed had known doug ewell for a number of years they kind of traveled in the same musical circles and doug ewell's got kind of this interesting history with the band He played in a band that was, yeah, kind of running in the same New York, Boston, you know, East Coast circles. Knew Lou Reed really well. In the years since, has played with Lou Reed and I think John Cale as well on some of their solo albums. Yeah, he got to the Velvet Underground, did his thing on this album, played and sang a lot more in the next album, um, which is called Loaded. And then Lou Reed abruptly quit kind of halfway through he'd written a bunch of the songs for loaded and then just quit and left so the album was produced and put out and lou reed was a little shocked when he saw it come out then yeah a couple of the other members left doug ewell stayed on made a made another album called squeeze in 1973 i think which a lot of velvet underground fans don't count as a velvet underground album Well, I mean, it sounds like they lost pretty much the entire band, right? Like, at this point, you've replaced the handle, you've replaced the brushes. Like, is it even a broom, like your broom anymore? It's just totally new. Exactly. So they broke up for good uh, shortly after Squeeze was released. And then the Velvet Underground actually reformed in the early 90s. I think it was 1992 or 1993. The original four reformed. Um, Sterling Morrison really wanted, I guess, Doug Ewell to be a part of the reunion. Yeah, the reunion tour. And the rest of the band really did not want that for whatever reason. Oh, jeez. So he was not invited. Uh, they toured Europe briefly in the early 90s and uh, had some successful dates. They had planned to come to the U.S. and do a few tour dates here, as well as do an MTV Unplugged. Oh, that dates that. Yeah, that dates that to the 90s. Um, And then things just kind of fell apart. Lou Reed and John Cale got at each other's throats again. And that was the last time all four of them were on stage together. Sterling Morrison actually died of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in 1995. Oh, gosh. What a way to end a band. Yeah, so Sterling Morrison dies in 95. And then Lou Reed died a few years ago. I'm not exactly sure what year so. Um, John Cale, Mo Tucker are still around and do kind of pop up from time to time. And uh, Doug Ewell is still around, I believe, uh, but he does not have much to do with them anymore. Yeah, it sounds like it's probably for the best. Yeah, I think so. So that is a bit of history about the band, about the album, some fun facts for you. 
Um, Al, what were your first impressions when listening to this album? Because we listened to it twice, right? Uh once and then I had to go back and watch the lyric videos of some stuff because I just learn things better when I can see them um you know I was actually pretty impressed by the album I liked the easy sound of it it kind of reminded me of like an early version of what maybe the Lumineers would be or kind of that like similar genre of music and then especially the last song on the album, is it After Hours? Yes. I Gosh, I have had that one stuck in my head for the longest time. And I'm kind of surprised that that isn't a 2010s indie pop song because that one's even different from the rest of the songs that are on the album. So overall, I really liked it. There was one that definitely just felt like a really bad um poetry slam like with all of these different people going at the same time I was like y'all this is just noisy and unnecessary but outside of that one I thought it was really good nice that one I think you're referencing is the murder mystery right yeah yeah it's eight minutes long that's really the only song on the album that kind of gives any hint at the band's avant-garde roots well, and I'm just like, if it's going to be eight minutes of my life, make it worth it, please. That was just not, like, it wasn't pleasant to my ears. It wasn't worth my time. And I feel like it just makes me even grumpier at songs sometimes when it's longer for no purpose. Yeah, there's no payoff in the end. Yeah, I'm like, there's got to be a reason that it's this long. And it's not. Yeah, that's how some avant-garde bands are, like. I, if you're out there and that's your music and you get it, like, right on, man. Yeah, I I recognize that my musical palette is probably very new or insufficient to somebody like you who has been just a great connoisseur of music for such a long time. Uh, it just it didn't do anything for me. Yeah, and that's totally fine. I think... Sometimes we get wrapped up in, like, what do you mean you haven't heard of, you know, Bob Dylan's Blonde on Blonde? Like, that is a masterpiece. And, I mean, it's it's all just based on people's opinions, and everybody's do their own opinion. And they're not wrong for liking the music they like, and they're not wrong for not liking the music they don't like. And, yeah, um, let's just let's set that standard with that pot with this podcast right now. Yeah, you're way nicer than I am. <laughs> but yes, I agree. Everybody is entitled to their music. If you have Bieber fever, that's just who you are and you're still a good person and we still appreciate you. It just won't necessarily be something we feature on this podcast. <laughs> yes, no, uh, no Justin Bieber shall be had on this podcast. <laughs> so Lee, what were your impressions of the album? So my impressions overall of the album, um, I really like this album. It was introduced to me in college uh, by my friends, Neil and Lindsay. Um, Shout out to them if they're listening. They probably aren't, but hey guys, if you are. Um, So they introduced this album to me in college with the song Pale Blue Eyes, Mm. which if you've never heard it, is this lovely Lou Reed sung ballad. Yeah. And... I was reading, I think, in the Rolling Stone or somewhere, um, and the writer was calling it Lou Reed's best 
ballad ever. Wow. And I wouldn't say that Lou Reed has written a ton of ballads, so there may not be a lot of songs in that category, but I think it's just a really beautifully written song. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, who is this band? And at that point, I was familiar with The Velvet Underground and Nico. Um, and so when Lindsay or Neil, I forget which one, said, oh, this is The Velvet Underground, I was like, there's no way. This is such a different band. Mm-hmm. And I kind of dove into this album and just listened to it over and over and over again and was like, this is amazing. I love this sound. And yeah, it started just really a lifelong like love of The Velvet Underground um and kind of a lifelong love for like softer music and just really appreciating music like that that's kind of quiet you know not that you can put on and ignore but that you like really have to focus on lee i feel like you're describing yourself in a lot of ways there <laughs> like you're quiet you can't be ignored but people really need to focus on what you're saying because it's like quiet, 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 boom, you hit them with a joke, you know, and maybe that's just part of why you appreciate this so much is because you found a band that reflects your life energy that you bring. You're just like calm and peaceful, but there are some like really interesting messages when you pay attention. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think you're forgetting to note that this album is also ruggedly handsome and has a chiseled jawline. <laughs> oh my gosh, how could I have forgotten that Andy Warhol banana? Flutter, flutter. <laughs> uh, so some notable songs on this album for me. I did mention Pale Blue Eyes. Just That's probably my favorite song off the album. Um, another one I really like is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just how it's framed and set up and sung. I just really like that. And then After Hours sticks out to me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's that Maureen Tucker, her singing. Uh, Lou Reed specifically wanted her to sing this song because he thought her vocals could bring an air of innocence to the song that his could not. Yeah. And so it's notable on this album. It's the only song uh, Mo Tucker sings, and she really didn't sing a lot of songs anyway in their catalog so it's the only one on the album she takes full vocals on she does have some vocals in uh the murder mystery but they're drowned out by three other people who also have vocals going on at the exact same time useless (laughs) Um, and yeah the only other song on the album that lou reed does not sing is the opening song candy says which is sung by doug ewell and again that was one that lou reed really pushed that doug sing it um, I've, I was reading some different things about why he pushed so hard for Doug to sing. I don't know if he thought that the lyrics would sound better in Doug's voice if Lou Reed had been out the night before and just trashed his vocal cords. <laughs> Backup plan. Yeah, it could be. It could be any of those. You know, it's interesting to think about. Um, you said her name was Maureen. Maureen Tucker. Um, she's known in the album notes and everything is Mo Tucker. So it was interesting to hear Mo Tucker sing that last song because I would agree that there was this air of innocence. Like I almost felt like this song could be in like a Wes Anderson film or something where you just have this one character who's really 
observing the rest of the world and struggling with this like do I block out the light or do I go out and embrace this you know there's this line where they're talking about how they just hope so badly that one day there will be this person that's like you're my very special person and I think there are a lot of people out there that can relate to that of just wanting somebody to identify you and choose you and love you and I was like oh girl I feel you through this whole thing like you don't like you don't need to close the door come on out we got you we want you here yeah and it's just such a powerful song I think to end the album with yeah because again it was even so different from everything else on the album right yeah you're almost like whoa was this a like a secret I don't know that secret singles or secret tracks were a thing back then, but you're like, was this a a hidden track? Is this off the cutting room floor? Where did this come from? Yeah. And again, I'm really surprised. You said this album was from the 60s? Yeah. So it was recorded between 68 and 69. Yeah. I would never have put that age on this song. I would have thought that it would be way more recent because it does have that like new age indie feel to it. Yeah. Just... The tone of it, the pace of it, the guitar sound, her vocals, it does sound like a much more modern song than 69. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's why, that's another part of the reason that I like the album so much is that it has kind of that timeless quality with it. Yeah. Some of the other, you know, White Light, White Heat, you listen to it and you can picture like, oh yeah, for 67 or 68, 68 I think that one came out in. Um, you're like, yeah, this was really like hard rock for back then. And now you kind of listen to it and you're like, oh yeah, like I get it. <laughs> it definitely set itself up as like a proto, proto-punk or proto-thrash. You're like, oh, it's so cute. You're trying to be punk. Like, here's the flower. Go away. <laughs> yeah. And like, we can say that, you know, now like, oh, you're trying to be punk or whatever. But I mean, that this was before punk was even a thing so it's super groundbreaking at the time and i think i think that album has still stood up really well over time don't get me wrong um yeah save your your angry emails or your angry comments (laughs) but yeah this album i think really is in their catalog underrated and yeah i really wish it would get more more love than it seems to get yeah, well, I'm really glad that we chose this one for our first album then to cover. Hopefully people listen to this and they're like, who are those un- Velvet Underground people? I got to go hear them. And they can fall in love with this album too. Yeah, and ideally they like this album and they'll dig into some of their other albums and they'll listen to White Light, White Heat and say, oh, that's cute. <laughs> they'll agree with you is what you want? I mean, I mean, even if they don't, that's fine. And then, yeah, you know, hopefully from this, you'll go off and listen to some of Lou Reed's solo stuff and listen to some of John Cale's solo stuff. And this will just take you down a whole new musical road. Now, we probably will at some point talk about uh, some of Lou Reed's albums on, on the show. So who knows when that'll be, but it'll probably happen. I'm so excited. So, Lee, what else do we need to talk about with this album before we let folks go? So I've shared some of my final thoughts and, you know, what this album meant to me. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share about the album? 
No, I feel like we've really covered it. It was a solid first start. I'm glad we chose it. Yeah, I am too. I think this was a good one to start the podcast with. So Al, when can our listeners at home hear our next episode? So our next episode is going to be on the first Friday of May, which is crazy. Hopefully this, do we want to call it an interesting time that we're in? Hopefully uh, this interesting time has left us and things are a little bit more stable. But the first Friday of May. And Lee, what's the next album we're going to be talking about in case people want to pre-listen? Gosh, um, you're putting me on the spot here. I hadn't quite picked one yet. Um, I think the next album that we will do is uh, Beck's Sea Change. Oh, you love Beck. I do love Beck, and I especially love that album. Okay, perfect. So they can look forward to Beck's Sea Change coming early May. So, y'all, thank you so much for joining us. This has been Songs of Our Own. And until we get to be with you next time, enjoy your own songs. Bye.